0: Thank you, Hashem. Not sure what just happened there. We got disconnected. I'll just wait a second for everyone to come back. I apologize. (laughs) This is not the first time it happened to me, so I need to figure out what's going on. I'm sorry. Um, Okay, so we're going back to the grave error, the mistake that happened. So I'll just um, bring us back to that beginning of the chapter. So on one occasion, when the king was angry with her on a certain day, he grew angry with her and threw the following words from his mouth. May the no good one take you. And that night she went to her room and in the morning, no one knew where she went. So we were trying to understand what's going on here in this story. Like, is this just an impatient king who had no patience for their child and sent them off to their room and off with your head and go to bed and may the no good one take you. And then in the morning, she was nowhere to be found. So we started explaining that the fact that it says that on a certain day and that she didn't recognize the time that she always spent with her father and appreciated the time that she spent with her father, that was where the beginning of the mistake happened. This was her error. She didn't appreciate. It was just on a certain day. So any time that she spent with her father just be, like lost that like lackluster, lost that excitement, and that was the beginning of her mistake. Um, now, what seems like a king who is cold-hearted and is angry and... You know, like I said, like I was confused when I first read this. I was like, wow, like give her a break. Like maybe she needs some time, you know? Like you have to understand, like he seems like he's the one with the mood swings, right? He's like, okay, may the no good one take you, right? So what's the idea? This king is obviously Hashem. And it can't be that Hashem is wanting to punish us. That's not what Rabbi Nachman is trying to teach us. Rabbi Nachman is trying to teach us a very, like a, the, one of the most important messages about how our relationship with Hashem works. There are people who are always able to maintain a solid, healthy relationship that always feels like they're in the engagement period. And that is those are people who have constant gratitude throughout the time that they're in the relationship. They're constantly giving thanks to the other person, to the spouse, to the parent. They're also always recognizing that things come from Hashem. And that yearning to always be connected to them is really what fosters that engagement period and gives a lot of fulfillment to the relationship. However, Most people don't know a good thing until it's gone, right? Most people will not appreciate something until it's taken away. And we never wanna get to that point where we have to have a challenge or a difficulty in order for us to recognize how good it was, but sometimes that's how it happens. I'm quoting a lot of Ripshol um in my lost live. Maybe we'll figure out how to get it back. Um, we gave him a mashal from Ripshol Makabach, But here he also says, he says, we went into exile because we stopped dreaming dreams about the Beis HaMikdash while we had the Beis HaMikdash. So at a time period where we even had all the good and we forgot that everything really comes from Hashem and we forgot appreciating it, that's when we lost the Bisa Mikdash. So the idea is that Hashem would bring us back once we recognize how much we miss Him and how much we're yearning for Him. So the destruction of the Bisa Mikdash wasn't actually a cause, but it was an effect. It's what happened when we didn't appreciate it anymore. Um, um, and actually the breast, love, breast love of Rameshbim teach us that when we see, may the no good one take you what Hashem was intending to do here what the king was intending to do here was that there should be a temporary feel within their with, within their relationship so that you feel the absence so that when you come back it's even stronger all acts of distancing from Hashem all Hester pom that we have from Hashem comes with the purpose of bringing us closer and I think we need to say that to ourselves a hundred times a day. The reason that Hashem pushes us away is only so that we come back closer. Um, just like a child, it's like as they grow up, part of maturity is that they eventually need to leave the home, they need to detach themselves. And then all of a sudden you miss them so much. I don't know if any other parents are going through this, but at the beginning of the summer when my kids are leaving I'm like, yay, this is so nice. Everyone will have a break, everyone goes to sleep away camp. And then at a certain point, I was like waking up in the middle of the night and I was like, I kind of miss that one. I mean, I miss all of them, but some of them I miss more than others. But the idea where all of a sudden that lack of them not being around the house anymore and it's quiet and there's like this absence, all of a sudden, right? Absence makes for heart, grow bond, and you really only miss something once it's away. So the whole idea that Hashem was trying to do here was for us to discover that within the absence, we can really miss each other and then our relationship will grow again and it won't just be on a certain day. Um, we should never treat anything like it's on a certain day. Now, what's interesting that ends up happening in the story here is that she goes into her room, okay? So it's like, it's not like, go to your room, I sent you to your room. The king said, may the no good one take you. And then she went back to her room. So I always think of this like, like, I was imagining like this like, angry teenager, right? Who's like so upset and so angry at their father or their mother for like telling them or punishing them and telling them to do something, that what they do is they're so devastated, they're like, forget this, Like I'm just going to my room. Now, you can see this, like, on a smaller little level, like where somebody, like, will mess up on their diet and then they'll be, like, so upset and be like, oh, forget it, like, I'm just gonna eat the entire box of Entenins, right? Or, like, once I'm bad, like, that's it. I'm, like, all the way deep down the rabbit hole and then you find me in the back, like, you know, eating some snackers and cookies, whatever it is, it's because you kind of gave up. And what happened here was that The princess saw her father saying, go to your room, as this like rejection that she wanted to drive herself even further away from her father. So this is where the mistake was occurring. She thought it was, you know, she just got used to her father's attention. She was told, go to your room. She was told not to go to your room. She was told, may the no good one take you so that it would create absence and would make the heart grow fonder. But what ended up happening was she saw it as rejection and she was like, forget this, like I'm done. Um, sometimes you'll have this with little kids where they're like caught red handed doing something wrong and they're so upset that they, they hide from you, right? Like who was the first person who did that? Like they did something wrong and she was like, hey, where are you, right? Adam Harisho, right? He's like, you know, where'd you go? I can't find you. Ayaka, like, what's happening? And it was because Adam was hiding in his room. He threw himself into his room. Um, so what happened was in the morning when they went to go look for her, nobody knew where she went. So like she kind of like punished herself by going into that room. Um, May the no good one take you. That's obviously what we're going to we're gonna get into it, who it was. But Reynachman teaches us that there is a way out of this terrible darkness that you don't have to think, you don't have to condemn yourself, you know, to, to sit in your room and to sulk and to be upset. You don't have to do that because deep down within us, every single one of our souls yearns to connect to that prince of youth and yearns to want to go home. So even though, if on the surface we're like, mm, I'm angry, I'm mad, I'm like, uh, you know, an anger teen and take away my this and take away that, what we realize is that that rejection was there only for us to get closer. And the princess needed to realize that she still has a loving father and is still going to be looking for her. So now what happens? So as we continue the story, um, it says the viserie, um okay, so let's continue the story. So it says her father was very pained and he went, he went here and there looking for her. The viscery stood up for he saw the king's pain. He requested a servant, a horse, and money for expenses, and he went to search for her. He searched for a very long time until he found her. Now we will tell you how he searched and found her. Okay, so first of all, what drew me to this book was that like, oh my gosh, I already have the ending. Like, I already know that he found her. I'm the person who like flips to the end of the book to like read the ending. And then after I read the ending, I go back like one more chapter and then back. And then I end up reading the book backwards. And then I come to the middle point where I was. But here we know that it's a happy ending. He already found her. So obviously there's like a method to the madness of why that is. Okay, so the father looked very pained and he looked for her. Seems like the father gave up like pretty quickly, no? Like this is a father who does not end up finding the princess, but the viscery does. So what's interesting is that throughout the journey of life, there are going to be times where we find ourselves that we were thrown away by Hashem. We were cast away. We were upset. Let's say like there's bad things or challenges happening in your life. Like you could feel like, Hashem, like where are you, right? We would kind of say some things like that. We feel like we're drowning. We feel like we're choking. We feel like we're overwhelmed. And it can be difficult. And it could be that we think that there's no way for us to get back in. But here we see that through the viscery, there is a way back It Now, who's the viscery? And what does the viscery represent? The is what we refer to as a Shemi lamelach, right? Um, we're gonna get into what the vicery, what the Lamelech actually means, like Yosef the Tadek was Shemi Lamelech, Mordechai became a Shemi Um, Very interesting, both from the Shevet, both from Rachel. Um, and there is definitely an interesting point to that. We're gonna to get to it, but not tonight. Um, but the idea of the viscery going to find us. So, who does the visri represent? The visri actually represents what we refer to in Hebrew as an akudatova. As deep within us, sometimes in Yiddish we refer to it as a yid or a chelak al kamimal. Within us, somewhere deep down under everything, we have a point of goodness that cannot be changed. And that point of goodness is the chelak al kamimal from Hashem which is manish, like a piece of Hashem, okay? It's a piece of Hashem within us. So now, that Nekudah Tovah we refer to inside us as the Tzadik within, okay? So the Tzadik, like Yosef Tzadik, Mordechai Tzadik, they were referred to as the Mishnal Melech. Nah. Now, um, maybe I will digress a drop here, if people are interested in learning a little bit about what the Tzadik within means. The Tzadik within us is that Nekudah Tovah within us that goes out to locate and find the princess. The um, the connection between Yosef, Mordechai, and this visri is that they are what we refer to as seekers. Okay, they come with the midah of Yesod, right? That which was related to the the midah of the the body part of the bris. Yosef the Tzaddik, we know he personified that. He was going to be Chote with Ayesha's Potiphar. In the end, he didn't and he controlled himself. So that came, from within him came this idea where he himself is, he exemplifies, he personifies the Tzadik within perfection. And um, in the Gemara and Shabbos, it says, one who is born on Friday will be a seeker. That the day associated with the sixth Mida Yisod contains the energy of the ever-seeking point of holiness within. So, Yosef Atadik represents this. Mordechai represents this, and here the visery is going out to seek and to locate and to find the princess and connect the Yisod to the Malchus. This was the Nakuda at work. Now let's see what provisions he requested for his journey. So it's interesting, obviously. This is a mashal and every single step of the way we're going to see, we already learned that the six sons and the one daughter and the king is Hashem and who the Vissery is, the Vissery is in Nechuzetoba. So now the Vissery is saying, I'm going to go find the princess of youth, but I need the following three things. I need a servant, I need a horse, and I need provisions, um, money for expenses. So let's try to understand what he was saying. He's going to find her from the no good one. She's in a place of devastation. She threw herself into her room. She got taken away by some scary, evil king. And now he's going to find her. And what does he need? He needs a servant. He needs a horse. And he needs money for his expenses. So the servant represents, and this we learn from the of teaching, that this servant represents the power of intellect. And because this is a tshuva process, Right, he's going to find the princess, but really, he's doing teshuva. It will require a mature and open-minded intellectual capacity for them to meet success. This is what the viscery needs. So he needs to be able to have the proper intellect to get to where he needs to be in order to find the princess. The second request is for a horse, and that refers to a strong and healthy body. Um, we also we always believe that in Judaism that we need to take care of our bodies and not just. Um, our spiritual needs we also need to take care of our physical needs and that's what it represents and we need to have healthy bodies we need to exercise we need to eat healthy we, you know sometimes we're so focused on our souls that we forget and we neglect that we need our health and we need our strength and without it we would not be able to house our souls we very much believe in judaism that we honor the body and think about when when people are nifter the tahara process that we do we wrap the body we bring the body to the mikvah, we prepare the body for because your body is, I'm not going to say as holy as your neshama, but it definitely becomes infused with your neshama and becomes very holy. So he needed the intellect, he needed the physical body, and the third and the last thing that he requested for was money for his expenses. And that actually just means that. He wasn't asking for a boatload of money, he wasn't asking for a blank check. He said, I want to be able to have money for my expenses. I want to be able to go on my journey. I want to be able to, you know, pay my mortgage. I want to be able to send my kids to yeshiva. I want to be able to have yontif and have the food and nice things. I want to have all of that. I don't need tremendous amounts of money, but I need, there is something about having the money that you need for your expenses, which we refer to sometimes as Yishav hadas, just to be able to have the frame, the mindset to be able to do your abodezah so that's what he's asking for. Um, so we need to have our intellect, our physical health, and money, and Yishim hadas, right? Okay. Now, what I'm going to end off this week is that the fact that the story tells us that he's going to find her at the end already gives us so much hope. Like it's been very difficult and she's missing, but there is hope because he already, he, we know that he's going to find her. So Rabbi Nachman is kind of giving us some kind of encouragement and he's, he, he's giving us the happy ending that we really want. It really is like a Disney movie, right? And if we accompany our our Tova, our, our inner viscery, then we'll be able to find that princess with these three things. Okay, so stay tuned for next week and we're going to talk about the approach that he took to find her. Thank you so much for joining.